How are you both doing? So let me get it right. So it's it's Jen who's in Seattle yep. and Macy who's in Portland. Correct. I'm in a cloud right now. I'm on top of a hill in Seattle and sometimes when the weather's right, there's a cloud around us. We're hot and humid here, which is weird for this time of year in Maine. It's usually starting to get cooler and beautiful and it's, you know, changing times. Hello there and welcome to Unfinishing, the podcast about projects that are incomplete, abandoned or not public. My name's Emily Anderson and my guests this week are Jen Simonic and Macy Kaplan. Together, Jen and Macy founded the Loose Ends Project. The Loose Ends Project has created an enormous community of knitters, embroiderers, crocheters and crafters of all varieties who finish textile works that have been left incomplete when the original crafters have passed away or become ill. Both Jen and Macy have knitted from a very young age. Jen describes herself as the weirdo who did knitting under the desk in sixth grade, which for UK listeners is about aged 11 or 12. They've been friends for a very long time, and one of the things we talk about in this episode is the process of creating a non-profit organisation together, and what they've learned in the process. As you can imagine, they also have some incredibly inspiring and sad, and also some very funny stories about the unfinished projects that have been submitted to Loose Ends. As you may have noticed, there's been a little bit of a break for this podcast over the summer, so I'm calling this Series 3. Opening the series with Jen and Macy felt like a fun way to start, since Loose Ends, with its focus on completing things, feels a bit like the mirror image of unfinishing. If you've got an unfinished, abandoned or private project and you'd like to be involved in Series 3, please get in touch via email on unfinishing.pod at gmail.com on Instagram at unfinishingpod, or on Twitter at truebagglerag. And if you or a loved one has an unfinished textile project and you'd like a volunteer finisher to complete it, you should definitely visit www.looseendsproject.org. I'll put a link in the show notes as well for future reference. You can also use the Loose Ends website to volunteer to be a finisher and to make donations to the project. And finally, While I was speaking to Macy and Jen, they mentioned that they're keen to translate their flyers into more languages. They already have flyers in English, Dutch, French, Hebrew, Czech, Spanish and German. But if you speak any of the languages, they would love for you to translate for them. And they mentioned that they're looking for Mandarin speakers, especially right now. Okay, so Jen, maybe could I start with you? Could you tell me about Loose Ends and what it is that you do? Sure. The Loose Ends Project is an organization that connects people with unfinished fiber arts projects left by a loved one who has died or has become infirmed and can't craft anymore with finishers from around the globe, hopefully in their neighborhood, to finish those projects. Fabulous. And when you say, do you say fiber arts or fiber crafts? What what kind of things does that involve? Oh, great question. Knitting, crocheting, quilting, uh, spinning fiber, uh, felting, Tunisian crochet, needlepoint, 
cross stitch, embroidery. I mean, I could go on forever. If you can think of a fiber related craft, we have probably gotten it. Actually, I don't know. We, we probably have some more to go, but our finishers are remarkable and, mm-hmm. and do a myriad of things. So it's, we, we try to run the gamut of fiber arts. So sewing, mending, that kind of stuff too. And Macy, how did the idea come about? So the idea for Lucen's project came about during, I would say probably during the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic when um, both Jen and I had been asked by friends who finish projects that their moms had left behind. Hmm. And we did this just because we love our friends and because we knew it would be meaningful. Um, And then right around the time the third right around the third time that this happened um i just started to dream like what would it be like if strangers were to do this for each other like there's so many people who probably have unfinished projects and don't know what to do with them wouldn't it be kind of fun to see if we could connect people with each other and so um just about one year ago, Jen and I happened to be in the same coast, and we were helping a friend go through her mom's bag of knitting supplies and craft supplies. And we came upon um, two unfinished blankets in the bag. Um, and Jen and I were each going to take one of those blankets and finish them for our friend, whose mom had started them for her brothers, her deceased mom. And uh, we were about to each take one. And that just suddenly seemed, because neither of us loved to crochet. <laughs> That's an important thing. It wasn't, I mean, we founded a nonprofit to get out of doing a crochet blanket. I think that's, <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah. But we thought this might be a good time to try this out, you know, because we would have two projects just to kick it off and see if there's any interest. So we did, we did. That's exactly how it started. We just said, let's take Patty's two blankets and see if there's, see if this has legs. And it did. It, it certainly <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I understand it, it's grown massively since you founded it, Jen. And I know that it's spread across lots of different countries as well. Yeah. So um, when we first started, it was going to be this fun little side project while I was looking for a job. And Macy was like, yeah, it'll be fun. (laughs) And I I love working with Macy. So it, you know, it has been fun. So the first, at first we just started putting up flyers in coffee shops and going to, uh, you know, funeral parlors and old age homes and, you know, any place where somebody might have a project. We just, we literally walked door to door Mm -hmm. and gave out flyers and yarn at, uh, yarn, we went to yarn stores. We didn't give out yarn. That would be lovely. Um, but then Macy, Macy and I were both on Facebook and Instagram, and we, you know, we put little links to the website that Macy made in those in those places to get people interested. Signed up for guilds. I signed up for the Seattle Knitting Guild just to get in front of people who did that. Um, and we got about a hundred and fifty finish finishers, and maybe five projects. Um, and then my, my hairdresser has a daughter who is the weekend host of a, of a local news program. Mm -hmm. And they did a nice little piece on us, uh, in December around Christmas time. 
It was lovely out. There was snow falling in Seattle, which never happens. I cried. <laughs> and then and Maine was like, somebody in Maine's doing this. So they did they did one with Macy in Maine. And then the Washington Post uh, did an article on us. And then when that happened, that kind of blew up and went all over the place. Yeah. And since since all of that happened and we've picked up speed and to date we've got 16,000 finishers across the globe in 60 countries. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. And on the 60 countries, we're not doing projects in every single one of them because, you know, we only have one person in Ecuador right now, but when people sign up, we ask them to, to print out our flyers, which are in different languages. We're always looking for new languages. And we ask people to put them up in their neighborhood because it turns out when there's news or flyers up in a neighborhood, those people who are finishers in that area get, get matched. Mm. So it's been pretty spectacular. <laughs> that's, a, that's astonishing. That's amazing that it's grown up that much. Um, and, and how do you match projects with finishers? How does that work? At this time, we're, so it's an interesting question because we're right in between the scrappy way that we put it together originally and the fancy way that we're, <laughs> um, that's been getting developed over these past several months. But so there, there are kind of two answers to that. Um, we match people who are geographically close to one another. We mm -hmm. look at who lives nearby the project uh, because that cuts down on shipping costs and it decreases the um, carbon footprint and also anxiety about putting a precious handmade project into the mail. Yeah. Um, so whenever we can, we try to match people who are close to one another. We look at what craft the finisher has offered to give, um, what their skill level is, and after that, we kind of go by who signed up first. And then at this time, we are transitioning from using spreadsheets to do all of this matching to using a, a fancy web app that Jen and her colleague helped to develop. So hopefully it's going to be easier to make matches soon. But right now, Jen and I are doing it all with our eyes <laughs> and our brains. And spreadsheets yeah. and filters that are suspect <laughs> there there we're always uh, so far they've been pretty good to us but they're getting slower and slower every day <laughs> i don't know if you've worked with a spreadsheet of sixteen thousand entries it's uh it's not ideal not great yeah not great <laughs> but i mean the the interesting part that macy said that i think it, we we try to make sure that the finisher's doing something that they like to do mm. That's really important because you're going to finish something that you like to do. And we don't want this to be a torture device, yeah. you know, like, I don't know if you craft, um, but, you know, there are things in my life. Um, I had a sweater that I just finished. I've been referring to the sweater as Nigel because he's persnickety. <laughs> and I've had to redo things a bunch of times. And finally, I was like, F it. I'm just going to get this done. And I finished it. And it's a little wonky, but I don't care at this point. We don't want people to feel that way about our projects. We sure. want them to be. I don't think I have the patience to to be much of a crafter. I've attempted to learn to knit, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, really, and I just didn't. I just didn't keep up with it. I just found it so hard, and I did not have the patience or the yeah. all the sticking power. So I'm very impressed that you can actually stick with uh, Nigel the jumper um, for as long as, <laughs> <laughs> for as long as you did. Um, 
Actually, on that topic, I'm, I'm quite interested to ask you, I know that the projects that your that Loose Ends finishes are often projects that haven't been finished because someone's passed away or become ill. But beyond that, I think people can find it quite hard to abandon a project and kind of admit that they're not going to finish it. And I'd be really interested to hear your views on why that is so hard. Yeah, for for me, I I slog through books I hate just to get them done. Mm-hmm. I I slog through things to get them done because I don't know this is, this might be too much of an insight into me, but I think it's a I feel like it's a failing sometimes. I need to get over that because sometimes you just don't need to finish something. Yeah, and I think that it, it's it's wise not to finish some things for your own mental health, but I feel like people feel like they failed and it. And at least I do Macy. So I, I think that sometimes people have put, have maybe purchased expensive materials. So that might be part of the reason why, um, and invested a certain amount of time into either learning or making something. And so just like, I think that is human, you know, when we've invested a certain amount of something into a project to, to when do you call it quits? I mean, you know what? There's relationships too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that, I think that could apply to any number of things. Yeah. For me, um, I've gotten a lot better at, at abandoning books. I don't like at abandoning projects. I don't like because I, I'm 54 and I'm, I feel uh, my mortality a little bit more. And I think, wow, you know, like there's any number, the world is so full of amazing books and amazing projects to make. And and I have a limit, we all have a limited amount of time here. What do I want to intentionally spend my time on? Mm. And if it's something that's not making me happy and I don't have to do it, uh, I don't do it anymore. Uh, and an interesting, fun trick to giving up on something that isn't bringing you joy anymore. Uh, Jen and I have a f- uh, <laughs> Jen and I have been friends for more than twenty five years, and we've had this uh, agreement that if one of us is working on a knitting project that we no longer want to do, and we have probably invested a fair amount of money because we both love really nice yarn, and a certain amount of time, like maybe it's half done. It's definitely done enough to the point where it's painful to s- just abandon it. Mm. The other of us will receive that rod. We'll say, <laughs> we'll, we make up a reason why we really, really want that to be given to us as a gift. <laughs> I I know an octogenarian that likes belly shirts. You should give that to me. Yeah. So if there's something that's like, oh, this, this material is driving me crazy. Jen, I don't even know. I think I gave you something made of mohair once. I'm like, this is driving me <laughs> crazy. And you were like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to work with mohair. Could I do it? Would you give it to me? If I would love to use the size one needles with the mohair, that's going to take 30 hours. That yes. would be great. Yeah. I would it's, love that. It's so much easier to give it to someone who wants it, quote unquote, wants it. So that's just like a little tricky business that we game that we play with each other to make it easier to uh, let go of things that we no longer want to do. Um, what does that person do with the unfinished project once they have it in their clutches and they don't want to do it either. It's easier for that person mm. to donate it away or to yeah. rip it out or whatever. I adore that. I did um, talk a friend of mine uh, in from the East coast. Uh, her, her mom passed away 
And the last project she was working on was there. And she knows that I'm doing this. And she looked at me guiltily and said, I don't want this finished. You can't have this finished because it's not, I want, I'm actually going to burn this because her mom was suffering from dementia and it really wasn't a good place where she was. And this sweater was, this woman was a highly accomplished artist uh, in many different formats. And this was not a good representation of her. So sometimes, you know, sometimes that unfinished project should remain unfinished. It should remain that way. Um, that's not what we're experienced with our project, but that doesn't mean there aren't cases where it it would hurt too much to finish that or have it as a reminder. Or people like it better. People like it better unfinished. There's something about the um, that, I mean, Jen, we met somebody once who had all of these pieces of crochet. It was all this colorful pieces of crochet and he had them in bags. And he's like, we're mm-hmm. not, we're never making this into anything. These are perfect the way they are. They're not finished, but we're going to give them out to all of our friends and everyone gets a piece and it's just a memento. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's, it's, it's your perception of it. it. When, when it's something you're guiltily carrying around and it's not being used in the way it's supposed to be used, then then we got to talk because we can fix that for you. <laughs> you don't need to do that. That's fascinating to me because I'm really interested in this idea of what unfinished things, whether it's you know this kind of project or a book or, or a piece of music or whatever, they mean very different things to different people in different contexts. So that's fascinating that sometimes, sometimes it is the right thing to leave it unfinished. And then I guess on the flip side of that, what you do is seeing the value or the potential, the emotional significance as well in unfinished projects and then the value in finishing them. Why is that valuable or important, do you think? Oh, um, there's a lot in the promises made by the crafter before mm. they pass away. There's there's that intention. A, a lot of these projects are were destined to go to children or loved ones and there was a lot of thought that was put into them. We had someone who went shopping with their mother for the yarn for the baby blankets for her soon-to-be twins. So things like that, having that that intention fulfilled, even if it is by a stranger, it, it's just really powerful. Mm. And I, I think it's it's that tangible object and it's the tangible fulfillment of a promise mm. that wasn't going to get done. Our friend Patty when we got the blankets back, she got us videos of her brothers opening the plank, the blankets we had. She actually got to meet the makers of the, of the blankets. It was very wonderful. She turned to us and said, I feel like I tied up my mom's life with a bow. Oh gosh. Which I thought was such a lovely, such a lovely thought, right? Being able to do that for somebody, even after they've passed it. That's, that's just a great accomplishment. Do you think of what, you're doing with loose ends as an art form or as a kind of service or as a mixture of the two or something else? I, I think that what Jen and I are doing is most definitely a service. We're facilitating craft and art by the thousands of units. Like what Jen and I do is we look at computers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I say that, but I mean, I'm knitting something right now while I'm talking to you. So I, I'm a knitter, but um, yeah, so we're making, we're always making things, but but in terms of finishing things, we're, we're matchmaking. And 
our matchmaking is enabling. It's funny because Jen and I were just talking about this yesterday. I read somewhere the difference between craft and art, and I don't know if this is true, but it struck a chord with me, is that when you're doing a craft, you kind of know what you're going to do when you start and when you're doing it. And art, you don't know what's going to happen. You just get started and you don't know what you don't know what the end is going to look like. And I think that I think we probably facilitate more craft, but there is also quite a bit of art involved Mm. because there are mysteries that we're solving all the time. A lot of projects don't aren't left behind with patterns, even though we would wish them to be. Um, and so there is some improvisation that happens on the, on the part of the finisher. That's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because presumably, as you say, there are, there are going to be practical challenges around finishing someone else's work. There might not be a plan for it. Is it the case that finishers have to be quite inventive about making their own choices to, to how they complete something? sometimes i mean so the the types of crafts we get are so all over the place that some of them i mean a chevron crocheted blanket is a fairly easy thing to do so a beginner can do it if they can follow a pattern there are some times where they do have to take some artistic license we've had some projects that were half done and we had to figure out what what to make of them like what what should we do with this um when there's a lot of grief around the project, sometimes people have a scrap that they're just not ready to let go of. And it's taking that scrap and making it into something meaningful. Mm-hmm. We had a blanket being made that was really kind of all over the place and a little cattywampus. And um, our finisher took that and made it in because of its angles and, and how all over the place it was. She was able to turn it into a rainbow. That was the focal <laughs> point of a king size blanket. It was gorgeous. That's so that one took a lot of art. There's also a place where people put a stitch to sh- to show off where the last stitch of the finisher, the original crafter was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think less is more. I think, and I, th- I think Macy agrees with me, like when someone puts a small duplicate stitch on it, it's like this secret reminder mm-hmm. of where the last crafter went. But, you know, we have some finishers who are like, really excited about it and they'll make these giant hearts or they'll put <laughs> angel wings or things like that. So they they do get a little artistic license there. <laughs> <laughs> all of it is coming from a good place. That's right. right. It's all coming from love. It's all with love. So you can't really it, it might not be my design choice, yeah. <laughs> but it's and and I have actually said somebody was like, oh, I was gonna make angel wings that were going to be 10 feet long. And I was like, four. You could put in just this secret thing. And she said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, and you can put it just on the inside. So just just the just that person, that knows. person knows. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that crafters are particularly sort of generous or community-minded people? Because I know that I'm thinking of, for example, things like yarn bombing or crafters doing other things for charitable purposes. Is it that kind of community? I think part of the reason why it's been, I'm not going to say easy, but it's been, we have 16,000 volunteer crafters is exactly because crafters are a generous lot. Mm -hmm. Like they're just uh, always giving back, 
always, you know, making something for someone else, often making things for strangers, for people in the hospital, for babies, for people who are living out on the streets. There are crafting communities that are supporting people all the time Mm. through their craft. I also find that if I'm walking through the airport or the the neighborhood and someone's knitting, I immediately feel like they're my friend. Like I, <laughs> I'll just start talking to them right away. Like yeah, and they'll tar- talk back. Like there's just this instant. Like what are you working on? How what stitches that way? And you you meet. There's no mm-hmm. um, barrier to communications that way. Like conversations. I think that's part of the reason why this has grown so fast in just a year. And over many cultures, over many different groups of people, I mean, different countries, Mm. many religions, any political belief, any kind of background, none of that stuff has really mattered. Just this generosity amongst crafters has really started to shine brighter than everything else. And it's been really beautiful to kind of see that happen. And Jen and I were not, we weren't, we didn't. Not we did not expect it, but that's not because we didn't realize crafters were amazing because we did. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I just think I wasn't thinking so big <laughs> in the beginning, <laughs> and, and it got really big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to, not to put too fine a point on it, but it got big, <laughs> it got big pretty fast, and um, it got big pretty fast yeah. in, in a way that, like, I don't. I, I've gotten used to being filmed in not the best light. (laughs) I don't care anymore. Like that's how, yeah, that's how like fast acting we've had to be. I actually made a little effort today. I didn't know if this was going to be video or not, (laughs) but there have been times where, you know, it's a sweaty Maine summer and we don't know, like the glasses are steamy on the face and (laughs) we're just doing it. We're just doing it. We're jumping in and just... Frankly, I have a shirt that I wear that does not need to be ironed and and <laughs> it looks sort of good on me. But when you told me I didn't have to wear it, I'm in my pajamas. So, you know. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> I'm interested in that, actually. So you said that you've been friends, I think, for 25 years. And I'd be really curious to know what it's been like moving from being friends to also working on this together. Macy, I don't know if you want to go first. Sure. Um, Jen and I have been friends for a long time, but we didn't used to talk to each other every day. Mm. (laughs) It was more um, sporadic. We would get together probably once a year, maybe twice sometimes, maybe texted a lot, but we are now full on, (laughs) we should have walkie talkies (laughs) because... (laughs) For the past year, I don't, I don't know how many times a day we talk or text or Slack now. Yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely we are a team. Um, yeah, and have remained. Yes, yeah. I hope. Right, Jen? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there, we have we have different styles of working based on our different uh, modes. I I am. Macy can attest this. I am super ADHD. Um, and I get a lot of different things accomplished in a lot of different ways. Yesterday we, we had to reconfigure the database that we work on because being ADHD, I just kind of make it work. And eventually just kind of any data, any spreadsheet can become a mystery to anyone looking at it who isn't me after a while. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I just didn't do this part on that. 
Um, so I, I'm sure that's maddening. I also wake up to a million texts sometimes and I'm like, oh, I already feel behind. So we're just working on, on you know, clarity is kindness, right? Like yeah. you, you just like, hey, this is what I need. This is what you need. And the more we can do that, the better. The the thing I want to end up with at the end of this is still having Macy as a friend and yeah. and make this a sustainable nonprofit with exactly. still having Macy as a friend as the highlight. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I will say that um, on the one hand, COVID taught us all how to work remotely, right? Like mm-hmm. almost everybody now can do almost anything. I mean, not everything, but like um, you can do a lot of creative or communication-based projects mm-hmm. remotely from home. Yeah. In your PJs, right, Jen? Um, <laughs> yeah. And however, there's still this three-hour time difference where I um, get up, you know, maybe seven with raring to go and I start, you know, I've tried to stop texting you <laughs> early. <laughs> I know. But, and I, and I, so, I mean, but the texts are important. So it's not like I, like, I begrudge them when they come in. It, when I see them at five, I respond. Yes, you should <laughs> silent. But that's the thing. Like if I'm up at seven or eight, just full on working, yeah, it's four or five a.m. We're yeah. done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's but that's okay. Like I can do the early stuff. She can go later than me. I'm done at ten at night. You know. Yeah, I will. I work. I'm more of a night owl. So at at midnight, I I'm still chugging away. So <laughs> it, it. I mean, I, you got an, a, an email from me last night. I'm sure I'm whatever time it was for you, but I was up because that's when I find it's quiet. Nobody's going to bother me and I can, I can have the silence I need to, to chug away on this stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) And it sounds like you've learned quite a lot about kind of practicalities or, or maybe technical skills. You were talking about your um, app earlier over the process of this. And I guess I'd be interested also to know what other things you've learned over the process of doing this project, maybe about people, maybe about how people feel about unfinished things or how people grieve maybe in that, in that context. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess we could both take a turn at this yeah. one. Um, I, I've been just in awe of the beautiful stories that people share with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had a feeling that, that, an unfinished piece of knitting or needlepoint would be important. I had a feeling because I know how much love and care I put into making things when I'm making them for someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I was surprised at how many people felt the same way as me. I didn't, I, I, I hoped and I had a feeling that a lot more people would feel this way, that, that it would be worthwhile to, finish a project for someone but i did not i did not realize that so many people would um be so moved by this and i i feel moved that other people are moved like i mm-hmm. i mean jen and i read stories every day that are just very beautiful they can be very sad and sort of like Jen used the expression earlier, I think like closing the loop or like tying something mm-hmm. up. I didn't realize that so many people would would be so moved by that gesture from a stranger. I think we hoped that would be the case, but I didn't realize it would happen on this scale. 
That was yeah. a big surprise. I think, um, I don't want to say I knew, but <laughs> we always knew that the crafters would do it. What I'm surprised at is how they know how to talk to someone who's in grief. Mm. Um, for the most part, they they come to the people and say things like, when I say this is a craft, do you want to do it? And they're like, yeah. And then they meet the person uh, via email. They usually start with, I would be honored to finish this. Mm. Or I'm so sorry for your loss. Your mom sounds really wonderful. Yeah. Um, like it, these kinds of things that, you know, because grief is such a universal feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing that I have found is, is that regardless of who these people are, and we don't know a lot about them. They give us information in their bio saying, you know, I'm a Christian woman who homeschools five children. You're like, great. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a queer loyal lawyer, but not in the bad way. I'm not really sure what she meant by that, but <laughs> all right. You know, I'm, I'm great. That's, that's great. Um, or we had somebody say she was a Steelers fan, which is like saying you're a Wrexham fan. Um, and that was it. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Good to know. But these uh, people are, are doing things for people they may not do think they might not even talk to you on the yeah. street because we're so, I mean, I don't know about where you are, but we're pretty polarized here. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that you could look outside of your little group of friends and see a stranger and say, I'm going to help them. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's kind of phenomenal. And it, it kind of speaks to, if we can do this with a piece of fabric, what else could we do? Mm-hmm. Right. There's a lot of place in the world for for that kindness um, and and just that identifying the humanity in in one another instead of the differences. And what a wonderful thing to have taken from it! Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'd be interested as note as well to know. I think Macy touched on the fact that you come across lots of very beautiful stories from the people who I guess are both submitting unfinished pieces and finishing them off. Are there any that stand out to either or both of you in particular that have really stuck in your minds? Oh, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the one that I feel like in general, the ones that stick out as the m- most emotionally charged for me are the ones when young people have died. Mm. And um, that is unfortunate. Fortunately, a lot more of our projects than I wish. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who have taken their own lives, um, a lot of people who have died of cancers, young, lots of mothers, uh, mm-hmm. mothers of young children, and whose whose mothers, whose you know, whose own mothers have submitted projects that. We had a project submitted from someone who died from gun violence. Mm. Jen is working with that finisher. Um, there was just a, a project, a quilt from a woman. Her best friend submitted it. He wanted her daughter to have the quilt that she was making for her. Mm. She had died in a car accident. Her daughter was, I think, three. Um, she was hit by a person who was um, under the influence and killed her and her husband and one of the kids. And so this is for the 
surviving child who's just a little girl, right? So mm-hmm. I would say um, the, when those kinds of stories happen, we're, I st- I just stops me in my tracks, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, I usually feel sad like for at least the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and also happy that I get to help facilitate a, a quilt being done that yeah. that her mom was touching, right? Like her DNA is all over that for her, mm. just for her, and she's going to get to have that um, because someone in someone in like a couple blocks away from her, we were able to match it really close, <laughs> is going to go come pick it up and finish it, and she's going to have that. So, so many stories like that. Uh, mm. Everyone is different. Yeah, I I think that, I mean, we have the projects where people, we had a a gentleman uh, whose great-grandmother had started a needlepoint project about the Mayflower. He was in it, I think he was in his 80s. Um, And we got that finished, and that was beautiful, but not as tragic as, you know, the the husband whose spouse had passed away, and and like days had passed, Mm. and he had walked into he finally cleaned off her bedside table and and found this project that she was working on for him so those those do stop you in your tracks yeah. and and uh, they're hard to as an empathetic person they're hard to shake yeah. right they're like oh i mean i i'm gonna leave you on a happier note we do have some silly projects where we had we had a woman who said that Grandma made everyone an ugly blanket, except, and everyone had an ugly blanket except for this one child. And we really want him to have the ugly blanket too. Now, I don't know if Grandma knew her blankets were ugly. I feel like because it was so openly said that they were, and it was pretty ugly. But it was what you know everyone else had one, and this child had one. Or the um, this there's we get a lot of Christmas stockings that need to have different names put on them. And those are kind of start. We were like, are these people they're like, what happened? What happened? Sometimes it's as simple as there were two grandmothers and both of them made one. And now there's another child in that. And grandma number two gets to have her <laughs> be the stocking, which I think is, a, is kind. And then sometimes people, you know, leave families. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what happened? what happened to Ed? Take this person's name <laughs> off this stocking, please, right now. Like they're, we're done with them. Yep. 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 <laughs> we don't know the backstory, but we get it. <laughs> Fred is dead to us. We're gone. He's gone. <laughs> the new person is Jill. Okay. All right. Good. Look at the stocking. Hooray. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's a spiteful. I mean, I don't know if we're healing in that situation. Sure. Or we're embracing and welcoming in. And it's a warning to the new person. That's right. This isn't yours forever. If you if you don't behave, we will take the name off. <sighs> yeah, it's true. They're not always s- tragic and sad. No. Uh, they are. There are some hilarious things that happen here too every day. It balances out. Yeah, and I mean, and sometimes, you know, we get some beautiful things. Like there's a unicorn tapestry being done right now by uh, it's by someone in the UK. Mm. That's just gorgeous, and it's silk thread, and it's it's precise. And then you know, we just did some styrofoam snowmen <laughs> that somebody's mom was working on, and everyone was going to have a snowman. And 
we got a picture back of everyone sitting with their snowman and we're like, oh, that's nice, you know? People must be absolutely delighted when they get the finished products back. That's what we've been hearing. Like we've, we do get, sometimes we get video, which is the best when we get <laughs> to see video. Yeah. Um, uh, and we do send everybody a survey after the project's completed. And so we get pictures and we get feedback and how it went, how we can do better, what it was like for them. And we are, I will say, overwhelmingly hearing that people have been delighted by yeah. getting things back. And a lot of times someone's finishing it as a surprise for someone mm-hmm. else. But they're they're just really fun to see happen because just that extra added delight of like mm. this unexpectedness to it which is yeah. fun that that always makes me think of uh kate we had a a woman who's a flight nurse here in washington state who every time i couldn't get a hold of her she was like oh i was training on helicopters sorry <laughs> I'm like oh all right well she had gotten a project given to her by a woman who had received a, a kit that her friend couldn't do anymore because she couldn't see hmm. and she couldn't knit anymore. And it was a very intricate pattern with color work. And she said to her friend, just rip it out and use it for something else. The yarn is pretty. And instead she gave it to the flight nurse who finished this project and they gave it back to her for her birthday. Oh. So the woman who lost her sight, got it for her birthday and was like, you see, I, I was really good at this. <laughs> yeah. Just, which makes me joke up. Cause it's like, to lose, I, I knit every day and to lose the ability to knit it would be really hard for me. So that was, it for. I'm tearing up. I'm sorry. I do that every once in a while. But <laughs> that, that's, that one really just like, yeah. being able to do that, it was just so special. And to hear that that was her response was just lovely because yeah. we were always here. Yeah. Um, well, the original crafters are more often than not, they're deceased. It's not always yeah. the case at all. Yeah. But um we don't know what they're thinking. We're, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think I, I, I saw someone actually, Jen, someone sent us a quote that said something like, um, a soul can't rest until the craft is done or something like that. Oh my God. No. <laughs> I'll be haunting people. Yeah. There was like a card or a poster or something like that. And I was like, wow, that's pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm just coming back at the end here to say a huge thank you to Jen and Macy for being such lovely guests. I had a fabulous time talking to them. And also thank you to them for what they've been doing with Loose Ends. I think it's a completely brilliant idea. I was really struck in particular, of course, by the emotion that's invested in the unfinished works that come to them. And also by the perspective they have on how different unfinished projects can mean different things. And, of course, that you shouldn't go on struggling to complete something when it's no longer enjoyable. They are looking for people to get involved in the UK, so if you have an unfinished project, do let them know. And, of course, you can volunteer to be a finisher too. Their website is www.looseendsproject.org, where you can also make a donation. And I don't think we should shame people. Sometimes projects don't need to be finished. I think it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
for sure. But for those that need to be finished, we're here. So thank you. <laughs> it's good to have the option. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. 